to be able to take it to that next level. That's what I'm excited about. Throws over the middle, wide open across the five. He's in. Touchdown, Houston. Fires underneath. This is intercepted. Back-to-back possessions with picks for this Texas defense. Takeaway number three on the day. Game day is every day. Five nights a week, the hits keep on coming. Now, it's Texans All Access. Yes, sir, you heard the man. It's time for Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. And I am your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. We're got my ninth year bringing you Wednesday All Access. In season, out of season, there isn't a Wednesday I don't bring you All Access or host All Access, ever. I never take vacation on Wednesdays. I'm always here. The only time is when we go dark. So Wednesday night, you and me and a lot of football. And that's fun. It's a lot of fun, actually. And we've got a ton for you tonight. Mark's going to stop by here in a little bit, and we're going to chat about tomorrow's game, which doesn't include the Texans, but it does include a Texans-hated opponent. And, of course, we always need to say this, sports hate. I actually really like Chris Ballard. I like Frank Reich. I hate the Colts. I like Quentin Nelson. I like Naeem Hines, too. I love Jonathan Taylor. I hate the Colts. See where I'm going with this? You can be okay, and you know you don't have to hate people, but you can hate sports hate the Colts. So we'll talk about that. Then Mark is going to talk to one of my good friends. And this is always fun when these two get together because I knew Frank Frangie back in Jacksonville. He is now the voice of the Jaguars. He has been living his best life the first four weeks of the year as the Jaguars have shown significant improvement, and hopefully that significant improvement ends on Sunday. But it's a pretty good football team. We'll talk a lot more about that and then some with Frank Frangie as we go men behind the mics. Then it's time for Nelson Island. Steven Nelson has stopped by with DP City for our Deep Sun interview of the week, and that is going to be a fun one. I'll tell you this. DP walked out of the interview with Steven. I was walking back in the studio. She was walking out, and she turned to me and said, that was a blast. He is one of my favorites. So I'm looking forward to hearing this interview with Steven Nelson, starting corner for your Houston Texans. And then, of course, on a Wednesday, you know, we got to have in the lab. So Drew Doherty and I kicking around about Jacksonville, how they're going to get it done in Duval County. So that's a little later in the show. But we kick off every Wednesday show with the GM of your Houston Texans. We are so happy that Nick joins us each and every Wednesday. We've had general managers that didn't do that. We've had some that did. But Nick joins us every single Wednesday right off the top. And here it goes. Myself, Mark Vandermeer, and GM Nick Casario. Here in the Hyundai Texans radio studio with us now is general manager Nick Casario. Nick, great to see you. And another frustrating game right there in the fourth quarter. Johnny was talking about it. Eight and a half to go in all these games. You're either in the lead or within three. That's encouraging, but I know you want to see yourself get over the hump. Yeah, we've had our opportunities really in all these games. But in the end, we just haven't done enough to win the football game. So until we figure out a way to do that, you know, we're going to come up on a short end of the stick. But, you know, certainly encouraged by some things that happened, making some progress in some areas, some other areas we still need to get cleaned up. So, you know, the opportunity here this week in the division against a good team that's definitely improved. So we certainly have a challenge in front of us. Nick, second half, because you were behind, I don't think you abandoned the playground, the uh, the uh, playbook, but 
Davis had to unleash a little bit more. He goes deep to Nico. He hits the ball to uh, Brandon for the touchdown. Do you see more in Davis this week than you've been seeing? What do you think about his performance? Yeah, offensively, I think there are some bright spots from individually, some different folks, just collectively as a unit, you know, certainly can do better. Um, I think one thing that we're able to do is create some explosive plays. So yeah. I had to play to Nico. Uh, DP's run, certainly explosive play. So anytime you have an explosive play, it just shortens a drive and it just, you know, less field you have to cover. So continue to find ways to create maybe some explosive plays, just shorten drives. Um, you know, I think on the other side of the ball, I mean, you know, um, the Chargers had a certain number of explosive plays on their end. So explosive plays are a big part of the game, offensively and defensively, regardless of the side of the ball that you're on. So continue to find ways to do that, certainly help us, you know, just from an offensive perspective. Pierce with the explosive run, and an underlying story there is the block by Hairston, and we wanted to go all Madden on that block. <laughs> Hairston, converted defensive player, but it speaks to the adaptability that he played defense. He's a fullback now. He makes a block like that in an NFL game for a 75-yard run. That's nice. Yeah, it, uh, overall, it was a well-executed play from the point of attack with Nico in the down block to get the kind of play started. OJ pulling around, got a good block at the second level, really finished as DP kind of extended. And then, you know, Harrison fronted up Derwin James and made a good block, so good technique and kind of carried a little space and a little crease. And then DP was able to break out at least tackle there a little bit. So, you know, Harrison's Troy's a good kid. He works his ass off, um, you know, very diligent. Um, he's embraced sort of the opportunity to do something a little bit different, and he's made incremental improvements from the beginning of training camp to where we are now. So really as a team, you're just looking for improvement. You're looking for improvement individually. Um, you're looking for improvement collectively. So let's say some players have taken advantage of that and moved in the right direction. Others can certainly there's room there in front of them. Um, but that specific play, I think there was a lot of people that did their job and it was a well-executed play that ended up in a good result. I like what you said. You f he fronted him up. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a very nice way of saying he – I'm going to use that from now on. He fronted him up because that's exactly well, what he did. Well, he played did. with good body position. No, you, I know exactly inside, what you meant. He kind yep, of squared exactly. him up a little bit. And then the yeah. back was able to cut off the block. I think Derwin wanted to take him on. And Troy was like, no. Uh, <laughs> and Derwin could do a lot of things, but Derwin that was not one of them. player. I think when you drafted uh, – uh, Damien, you'd only had 100 carries as uh, a senior as last year at Florida, and he took every carry the other day. Do you have any worry about, man, it's a 17-game season. He didn't have a lot of tread off the tire, which is good news, but do you know how much he can handle during a 17-game season? Is any kind of worry about Damien because he didn't have a lot of, of – you don't know how he responds to having that many carries in a season or that many carries in a game because he wasn't used as much at Florida? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I think what you have to do with any player is really take the information in totality, um, evaluate the player, look at their skill set, look at their strengths, look at their weaknesses, what areas can they improve. And for whatever the reasons, if a player doesn't play as maybe much as you think he should or did, what are the circumstances behind it? So part of their training is a part of that as well. So how do they train? Their overall, you know, I would say, specific, most players, I mean, we play a sport, a ground-based sport, so the lower body strength, sure. continue to develop your lower body strength. And then your recovery after games, that's a big part of it. So for however much you play or don't play, some body, some players feel it a little bit more than others. So what do you do that next day to enable yourself uh, to recover quickly so you have an opportunity the next week? So there's a lot that goes into it, John. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's one particular thing. Sure. Um, but you just have to take the information to totality and then kind of take it one week at a time. And then we have enough information to assess where players are physically yep. so we can kind of monitor their progress to make sure they're performing at an optimum level. Do you know he had that kind of juice? Because it looked like Adderley had an angle on him. I thought, okay, Adderley's going to get him. 
and he just ran away from him. Did you think he had that kind of juice? Yeah, I think it's just another interesting thought. Everybody looks at time speed, and then you kind of have to look at game speed, right. like how fast a player plays. So whether it's a player's perceived speed, he plays fast or maybe plays faster than his time speed. So in the end, we're playing football. So it's about you never really – you very rarely, I shouldn't say that, very rarely are running a straight line. So your ability to move laterally, change direction, and then make a quick explosive movement in a short area – that's what football is about. So whether it's on the offensive line or defensive line, it's kind of short area bursts. Yep. And then their long speed is their long speed. So, um, you know, he has, I would say, good speed, um, good acceleration, and it's just the ability to accelerate the body as quickly as you can and then kind of get moving through a short area. Um, and then um, really it was a great effort by Brandon. Uh, Cooks kind of walled off JC there at the end. I think Brandon ran, you know, his top speed for the game on that particular play. But – it's a great effort when you have, our, you know, one of your best players who, in a receiver role is working all the way down a field to finish a block or at least kind of wall him off so we can get the ball in the end zone. Nick, Damien is very shy and introverted. No, he's not. <laughs> uh, he's the opposite of that, but uh, related to the... have a lot in common. <laughs> we can work on that. Related to the uh, personality, he was very quick to give credit to everybody else for that run, for his performance that day. And that aspect of things for a player, when you're evaluating them, how important is that versus you want them to be the alpha and take control, but also be a great teammate? How do you weigh all that when you're evaluating players? Yeah, it's a... It's a Great perspective. I'd say everybody has their own unique personality. Um, so I'd say it's really emblematic of the entire rookie class and some of the younger players we have in the building. Because in the end, we play a team sport. This isn't tennis. This is not golf. It's in, it's not an individual sport. So you rely on other people around you. So regardless of what you do individually, it's only a byproduct of those that are around you. And mm. the reason that in that particular instance he was able to score was because there were a number of other players that did their job to give him the opportunity to execute his job. So we talked about with Troy, to OJ, to Nico, to Brandon. So you should give credit to other players because nothing that you do on a field you accomplish by yourself. So our job is to evaluate the player, their personality, and once they come in the building, what do they bring to the table? And you can still be your own person. Like You can still exude emotion. You can still have joy. You can kind of have a personality, but you have to look at it within the context of the team because ultimately we're relying on each other, and it's really not about yourself. If you make it about yourself, quite frankly, you're probably playing the wrong sport or you're the wrong person for us, mm -hmm. and that's part of our job to make sure we find the right people with the right mindset, the right mentality, and embrace that mindset because that's how we're going to be able to hopefully build something that we can sustain for a period of time. First half, gave it 27 first three or four drives in the second half gave up nothing allowed you to get back in the game had a very Tennessee week 18 from last year sort of feel where they got up 21 you went on the second half I want to say dominated in the second half but really got yourself in a position but then Tannehill made that one play then Herbert and Eckler make that one play on fourth and one it kind of changed it but more importantly Nick what was it that changed from the first half to the second half where defense was giving up points not as successful, but in the second half, they really kind of put the clamps on them, didn't get up any points. Yeah, we were able to get some stops and early downs on first down, kind of create some second and long, kind of, you know, second and long leads to third and long. So third and long is usually a better situation. So able to create some stops early in the down, and then the short field with the, um, you know, the force fumble by MJ at kickoff coverage. I mean, our kickoff coverage unit has probably played as good mm -hmm. as any unit. So Italy, I want to say you were in the top three or four in terms of the opposing team where they're starting position. So mm. we had a lot of guys flying around. MJ, JRM probably played, you know, one of his best games. So it was a combination of things. We were able to get some stops and early downs, created a turnover, created a short field, get some points. So 
it's really about what we do collectively as a team. So in order to play complementary football, in order to play good football, every, all three phases have to do something to contribute. Say we did a better job in the second half than we did in the first half. So now we got to figure out just at the start of games how we can get that all three units kind of performing at a high enough level so we won't fall behind, you know, 14 nothing in the first quarter, then 21 nothing in the second quarter, whatever it was. Nick, watching the Chargers play the Jags, that was the opponent right before the Texans. Okay, you get a look at the Jags against the Chargers, dominating victory, and then against Philadelphia, not so much. They're up 14 nothing. I know we'll see Philadelphia later, so you're seeing a lot of these teams on tape that you're going to see down the line. But the question is about the Jaguars. What are you seeing in them heading into this Week 5 matchup? Yeah, just before we get to the Jags, it's interesting. We have seen a lot of crossover yep. in terms of mm-hmm. our next opponent. So whether it's the Chargers, you know, to this week Jacksonville, to Vegas, to yep. Tennessee, to Philadelphia. So our next four or five, we're kind of seeing them play each other, which it doesn't always match up that way. I think yep. that's just the way the schedule worked out. So specific to Jacksonville, I would say they're a good football team. They're, they're definitely much improved. They made a lot of investments on both sides of the ball, both in free agency and in the draft. You know, we'll talk about some of the guys specifically in the draft. Um, and the quarterback's, I'd say, playing well. Um, he's playing a lot better than he did last season. So, uh, I mean, they turn the ball over. In the end, the difference in that game was the turnover. So they right. were able to force four fumbles in short fields. Um, but and they didn't throw a, um, you know, they went up early 7 nothing, pick six for a touchdown. Cisco returns the ball for a touchdown. Then they go up 14 nothing. And then Philly was able to kind of get back in the game in the second half. So I'd say the turnovers kind of flipped there a little bit. But definitely a much improved team. A lot of explosive players on both sides of the ball. They're a big athletic team. A good combination of youth and experience. Um, coach Peterson's done a good job. Coach Peterson's a good coach. I mean, he won a Super Bowl when he was a head coach with the Eagles. Um, we saw that firsthand. Uh, put together a good staff, experienced staff. So it's going to be a big challenge. They're definitely a much improved team relative to where they were last season. Well, you put out the bat signal when you said the word draft. So I figured that was uh, kind that's of a signal cue. to me. Yeah, that's my <laughs> cue. Um, because I think we've seen it here with, with Jalen and with Derek and, and the impact that two rookies can have on a defense. But they add Trevon Walker and they add uh, Lloyd yeah, at linebacker. Yep. How those two, I mean, you talk to people around the league and they're like, man, that front seven, that front seven. Well, those two guys are a big part of their front seven. What do you see from those two in particular and how have they made that front seven that much more difficult to face? Yeah, they, they both have made a big impact. I mean, going into the Philadelphia game, Devin was their leading tackler and he's been on the field all three downs. I think he played 100% of the time. So, and then Trayvon, it's interesting. So, he played defensive end, really played more with his hand down. So, he was anywhere from call it five or six technique to three technique. Now he's playing outside linebacker in a three, four. So, he's kind of playing from a two point stance. So, the thing that stands out about him is just his length and his power com- combined with his overall athleticism. Yeah. Like, you, there's not too many guys at 6'5", 265, to run 4'6", that can rush the passer and that can kind of play in space as well. Um, not to be undone on the other side, I would say Josh Allen probably has just started as well and played as well as he has at any point in his career. So he's been very disruptive, very explosive off the edge. Uh, finishes a lot of rushes, plays with outstanding effort, has good skills combined with um, high effort, which I mean, we'll see that from Crosby in a couple of weeks as well with the Raiders. But so on the edge, they have a good combination of length and overall athleticism. And inside, you know, they signed Fadakasi in for agency, who's a big, strong guy. Dev, uh, Hamilton, who was there last year, big, strong guy inside. Uh, Robertson Harris has actually played really well for them inside. So big, long, athletic front. And at the second level, we talked about Devin a little bit, and then uh, Olakon, who they signed from uh, from Atlanta. I want to say he had almost 200 tackles last year. So instinctive linebacker, runs well. Um, in the secondary, Cisco's kind of, I'd say, made the transition from year one to year two. 
Jenkins has kind of been a mainstay there. Um, I'd say Tyson Campbell has definitely improved relative to last season on the big long corner that's athletic, who they took in the second round last year. Griffin, they signed Darius Williams in free agency to play kind of their slot corner. So on that side of the ball, they've made a lot of investments at all three levels of the defense. Um, And going into the Philly game, they were leading the league in in run defense. So Philly's a running team. They were able to get some yards. Um, So, I mean, it's definitely a big challenge, um, a defensive side of the ball in terms of what they do both schematically and from a personnel standpoint. Nick, we talked about evaluating the personality of your players before you acquire them and everything, and here you are in a situation where you're still looking for that first win and the importance of everybody sticking together despite the adversity record-wise that you're facing so far. What do you think? Nothing's going to happen overnight. It's going to take just one day at a time of diligent, purposeful work, Um, and in the end, it's going to be about execution. So we all have to do a better job. We all have to do our jobs better. We'll have to find ways to kind of execute better when we're given the opportunity. So there's no magic solution. There's no magic pill that we can take. It's about going out there. It's about putting in the work. It's about understanding the opponents, about understanding the team. It's about understanding the player you're going to be going against across from you, winning that one-on-one matchups. If all 11 can win their one-on-one matchups, then it's going to be in our advantage collectively as a unit. And then if we have that advantage as a unit, then hopefully we'll have the advantage of a team. So there's nothing magical that's going to take place. So we've got to show up each week like we have however many games left in our schedule. This is our opportunity this week. So we've got to put as much into it as we possibly can and go out there and try to have a good performance on Sunday. Nick, what have you seen with the addition of Doug Peterson with Trevor Lawrence? What have you seen in Trevor that Doug is maybe bringing out of him that he wasn't maybe as a rookie able to do? Yeah, I mean, Doug, Press, Taylor, I mean, kind of that group on the offensive side of the ball. Doug played the position, so I think he understands some of the things that go into that. Uh, What they've done is they've done a good job of finding opportunities for Trevor. They're really – they get rid of the ball quickly. Um, So the ball's out of his hand quickly. They kind of change the launch point a little bit. Um, He's made good decisions. And they have good playmakers on our perimeter. So signed Kirk in free agency. That was a big commitment. Signed Zay Jones. We made a commitment to him. Um, you know, they've had the running back group is back. So Robinson, who's a really good football player nobody talks about. And then the inclusion of ETN. So when ETN's on the field, he's definitely a factor because of his speed and his overall explosiveness. So um, they have good offensive line. So I would say Doug's done a good job of sort of managing the offense, maybe taking some of the concepts that they use in Philly and incorporating into what they do down there in Jacksonville, and then it kind of plays with Trevor's strengths there a little bit. So um, his interception rate, TD interception ratio was down. So he's making good decisions. I mean, the fumbles are the fumbles. Um, he's been fairly accurate with the ball. So you can see it in how they've played and what they've done offensively, and the results kind of bear that out. All right, Nick, I'm going to run through some questions we run through with the players when we're done with the football stuff on the players' show. Like, what's your pregame hype music? (laughs) (laughs) I don't have any hype music. Okay. I actually try to go to church or do something on Sunday religious. (laughs) And what are you binge-watching right now? See, that's also irrelevant. Film. I think think my my daughters are the ones that man the Netflix account. So I'll stick to CNBC. That's nice. Stay on topic there. Binge watch. What are you doing? I'm binge watching CNBC right now. That's about it. Are you a Shark Tank fan, though? Uh, My my middle daughter actually really enjoys Shark Tank. So over the summer, say, Daddy, can we watch Shark Tank? I'm like, yeah, sure. It's good. You always learn something. You always do. Always an opportunity to learn. And we do with you. Thank you very much, Nick. Thanks, guys. Binge and Squawk Box, baby. That sounds like it should be a band. Squawk Box Binge. A band from Boston. I don't know why. It's, when you say squawk and then box, that's hard. Squawk Box, Squawk Box. It sounds like you're from Boston. So there you go. Binge on Squawk Box on CNBC or Mad Money. What's Mad Money on? Is that on MSNBC? 
I like Jim Cramer. In fact, Jim Cramer is kind of my inspiration in some sense. As crazy as that might sound. I love his energy. I love when he does his live show. And I love doing live shows. I wish I did more live shows. I mean, I'm not talking radio. I'm like one-man stand-up, take-your-question kind of shows. But not stand-up, but like football stand-up. Yeah, you get the point. Either way, I don't watch a whole heck of a lot of CNBC. Uh, but it is kind of fun to pick up on it every now and again. So I might have to check out the latest edition of Squawk Box. Squawk Box. That's hard to say. You're sitting in your car saying it right now. And that's okay. Because I'm doing it right here on the radio. All right. Mark's going to stick around. We're going to talk about this Thursday night game and our thoughts about going to Duval County to take on the Jags next right here on Texas All Access. Stay tuned for more on the Houston Texans and the NFL on Texans All Access. You know what having fun your way is really like? It's never-ending options and rewards at over 50 destinations nationwide. It's Caesars Rewards. Dine at Hell's Kitchen at Caesars Palace, Las Vegas. Party the night away at Harris, New Orleans. Or bet big on table games at Horseshoe, Bossier City. With Caesars Rewards, you earn benefits for every way you play. Book your trip at Caesars.com and sign up for Caesars Rewards today. Must be 21 or older to gamble. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Whether running a marathon or walking your dog, every movement matters. But when you're in pain, simple activities can feel unbearable. At Houston Methodist Orthopedics and Sports Medicine, our specialists can help you heal faster using the latest technology, minimally invasive procedures, and advanced physical therapy. As the top-ranked hospital in Texas, we have the expertise to keep you moving and help you get back to doing the things you love. Houston Methodist. Leading medicine. Leading medicine. Leading medicine. We return to Texans Radio. Welcome back to this Wednesday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm John. That's Mark. We've Hello. been with you before, and we are with you again. Mark, tomorrow night, I, Thursday night crawled up on me fast. I don't know why. We had a home game, mm-hmm. and I look up, and we're a day before Thursday night game. And not only that, I didn't even realize it was Colts-Broncos. And now the Colts will be without Jonathan Taylor. Ooh, are we happy about them. that? I'm I'm very happy about that. In fact, I'm a Bronco fan tomorrow night only. Yes. And I wish Jonathan Taylor didn't play against us. I think Jonathan Taylor should take the rest of the season off just for yes. health and safety reasons, yes. of course. But without him, it's going to be tough for them to beat the Broncos. But they can do it because the Broncos are not exactly a juggernaut themselves. These are two teams the Texans should have beaten. It's funny how often we're seeing a couple of teams the Texans either play, have played, yeah. whatever, but that's the league. I mean, you have 17 games now. That's going to happen a lot, especially when you're watching your division in prime time, and Tennessee and the Colts have their share of those. So, yeah, go Broncos Thursday night. Okay, I bet, I bet $1, I bet I could get you to cheer for the Colts. You okay? Not, not tomorrow this Thursday. Night? Oh no! I'm, there's a time in which I can get you, and it doesn't have to be against the AFC South team. Really? I bet I could get you to cheer for the Colts if I'll when present the scenario to you. All right, please do. I'll just start with these names, and, you, and then you know where I'm going with this. All right, Bryce Young, <laughs> C.J. Stroud, Will Levis. All right, so you're saying. Next year's quarterback class. If the Colts keep losing. Oh, they're going to draft one of those guys. Yes. Oh, we can't. Have, see, see, I told you. Ooh, I told you. 
This is bad. I told you. All all you needed were just to hear some of those names. This is Gordon Gecko saying to Bud Fox, we got to carry him for a few rounds before mm-hmm. they fall. That's exactly Blue Star right. Airlines or whatever it was. You've got to have the Colts win a few mm-hmm. so they don't draft that high and get a really monstrously good signal caller next year. That's the one thing that organization has lacked mm. since Andrew retired. I'm going to throw this one at you. Stanford Rat was on with Landry and mm-hmm. Lopez today, yeah. and they asked him about, hey, this coach, uh, the locker room quitting on the coach, and mm-hmm. the coach losing the locker room. Landry asked, what is that, really? Mm-hmm. What happens? And Stanford gave a good explanation. You know, Wednesday, you get into the team meeting, guys are tuning out, rolling eyes, whatever the case may right. be. Then you see the reflection on Sunday in the performance. And they asked about, would the locker room quit or would Frank Reich lose the locker room in Indy if this kind of thing continues? Gosh, it's so hard for me to imagine that happening. Yeah. I would have a, an easier time believing they might lose faith in the system more than the man himself. Yes. If that makes sense I, I, yes. in Indy. Yes, I, especially those defensive guys. Yeah. If the defensive guys keep looking up, and it's, listen, we're holding our own over here. Yeah. I mean, we don't even ask Shaquille Leonard. We're holding our own over here, and they keep giving it away? Yeah. What are they doing? They scored yeah. 17 points against the Titans. Now, look, Titans have got some... We know the Titans have got some staunch defenders over there. But they didn't score a point in the second half. Yeah. The Colts held them without a point in the second half. Yeah, that, that's big. When we, you hold somebody without a point in the second half, you expect to win in yeah. this league unless you're down huge. I could see I could see the defensive players in particular looking over there going, well, what are y'all doing? Yeah. We held the Chiefs to 17, and we got the win that day. Now, the Jaguars, that's a whole different – that was a whole different ball game, but then again, Matt Ryan threw a pair of interceptions, lost the ball in a fumble, was awful. I don't know if he was awful the other day against the Titans, but he threw for 356 yards, but it felt like they were hollow. Well, he threw for a lot of yards against the Texans, but it didn't look that good right. here, and they missed that field goal that would have won it for them here mm-hmm. on opening day. Defense couldn't have been too happy about that either because yeah. they shut down the Texans. Once the Texans exactly. got the 20, they shut them down. So from a Colts perspective... I could understand some frustration on that side of the football. Yeah, that's where I think it could build up. But I don't I don't think it will be at either Reich or Ballard. I think it will be we need to get and Naeem Hines said it. Naeem Hines actually came out and said it this past week. He was talking about the the game. I don't know if he was asked right after the game or if he was asked on Monday after the game. And so he was talking about the situation. He said, Look, look over at the other sideline. Look at the Titans. Ryan Tannehill, he's been there year after year after year after year. What he wasn't saying is Tannehill's not even making all that many plays, but because he's been there, they know what they have continuity. They know what they have. We're starting over with a new quarterback every year. If you think about it, 20 Ballard took over in 2017, but even before that, go, go all the way back to 2015 or let's do this. 2014 started quarterback was luck. 2015 was Hasselbeck for much of the year. 2016 and went back to luck. 2017 is Jacoby after Scott Tolzien. 2018 went back to luck. 2019 is Jacoby. 2020, it's Rivers. Rivers. 21, it's Wentz. 22, it's Ryan. Oh, yeah. I mean, Naeem Hines is dead on. I mean, they haven't had the, the same quarterback starting year after year going all the way back to Luck's 
what third year one two was he drafted 12 so third year in the league in 2014 and do people get spoiled looking at brady going to tampa bay and winning a super bowl his first year i think that's part of that too yeah because you figure that a guy like rivers or matt ryan is going to come right. in and be able to operate things and hey it's a different system there might be some similarities but well but it's still a new team and you got to get used to it and Look, the Bucks and it's Brady. It's the greatest of all time. You cannot expect that from every right. guy. It's just not going to happen that way. There's so many. Th- these NFL teams are such Italian sports cars. I mean, just something hair trigger off just a little bit. And that yeah. thing's that thing's going to shut down. What you need is a Hyundai, yeah. really. Yeah, you need a Hyundai like we are in the mm-hmm. Hyundai Texans radio studio. So Colts, Broncos on Thursday night. We will cheer for the Broncos and for teams against the Colts up uh, until a certain point. What if the AFC South team is playing the Dallas Cowboys? I still That's I hard. hate to say I root for the Cowboys, but I don't want to see any There'll be three AFC of those this South year too. Win. Yeah, I know. I know. It's just weird. That's a weird deal to me, but I got to mm. root for the Cowboys in that situation. I do too. And I don't root for them hard, but I just kind of want them to prevail that okay. evening. I'm going to say something. All right. So Landry and John do this thing called Lunchtime Confessions. I love that segment. I'm really ticked off that they, they took that segment. Well, it, we could steal it. Okay. We're borrowing it. We give them credit, and it's just yeah. the same piece of content. So here's my dinnertime confession. All right, go ahead. I don't really hate the Cowboys. What? Okay. Let me finish. Okay. I don't really hate the Cowboys. I don't care for Jerry all that much. Uh-huh. Okay, though. Yeah. I hate Cowboys fans. Okay. Cowboys fans are obnoxious. But they've gotten less so since they've been so long since they've gotten a ring. Yeah. You know, the whole got rings thing. And then after a while, it's like you got those rings a long time ago. So what have you done since? Here's the thing with the Cowboys fans. And a lot of people would say this, not me. I'm saying a lot of people would say this about Longhorn fans and Aggie fans. When your team does start to win, you are insufferable. That's true. We cannot stand you when your team wins. That's not me saying it. It's other people, of course. Right, right, right. Uh, With the Dallas Cowboys, clearly that is the case. What bothers me now is they're winning without Dak. And I like the story because Cooper Rush is a Chippewa. I don't like the winning part of the story. I'd rather have just... Cooper Rush playing well, and they're losing. Right. That would be nice to me. Look, I respect them. I respect everybody in this league, and I respect what they built there and everything. What they built is in terms of infrastructure, Johnny, the star, the stadium. It's yeah. cool stuff mm-hmm. in Big D, but they don't win. The Texans have more playoff victories than the Cowboys since Houston was formed as a franchise, since the Texans were formed. That's interesting. I think it's highly notable. But it shows you how powerful the brand is yeah, of yeah. the star, that they can still command that kind of attention because you either love them or you hate them, and that's just the way it goes. That's why they are on national television, the full complement. Right. Well, I'll give you that. The one thing I'll say, though, about the Cowboys, and I'm watching this whole Aaron Judge thing go on, and with this whole Aaron Judge thing, oh, is he going to hit the – and they're all breaking yeah. into college football games. Yeah. And Finn's like, well, do we care? Right. Well, it's and it's Yankee hatred, okay. too. He's, right. The Yankees are so not likable, nobody wants to see that who's not a Yankee fan. Right. So then you've got Yankees fans, and mm-hmm. everybody else hates them, seemingly. I don't feel like the media treats the Cowboys that way. Maybe I'm wrong about that. It doesn't feel like – it's always this, unless it's you know Stephen A. wanting to poke at the Cowboys a little bit, but it it, it feels like the NFL it kind of gets spread out amongst everybody else. You mean it's the not, hatred or the love from the media? Well, 
Both, I guess. Just the attention from the media. I don't know. If the Cowboys were winning a lot. No, that's a different story. When they well, are maybe, that, maybe that's the case. No. We haven't seen them win, yeah, but they so won we 12, haven't seen that. They won 12 games last year. That's pretty nice. Yeah, but I didn't think it was over the top. No, it wasn't over the top. The division was terrible. We all know. Well, it wasn't terrible, terrible. The Eagles were Eagles okay, in, yeah. whatever. But here is the situation. Dak is likable. Yes. The media likes Dak. And I kind of like Dak. And he's a good dude. But we don't like the Cowboys. So you're torn there. Yeah, Dak's a good guy. I like Dak. But I don't like them. It's a weird situation. I think they have some likable players. But they're not likable as a franchise to a lot of people. So we take on the 2-2 Jaguars on Sunday. Oh, yeah. The Colts are taking on the Colts are 1-2-1. They're taking on the Broncos tomorrow night. And the Titans. And the Titans go to Washington. Oh, man. To take on a Commanders. Oh, the Commandos. And they I watched beat that, the I Jags. Watched, I watched that game because I wanted to see Tyler Smith at left tackle for the Cowboys. And I wanted to see just how he was doing. So I it was kind of awesome. I watched that whole game. I watched the Cowboys offense basically in like 15 minutes. But as I'm watching it, I'm like, man, this defensive line for Washington is supposed to be all that. And Cooper Rush has got time to throw. Tyler Smith, that rookie, is just eating guys up. I mean, they're not even getting to the quarterback at that point. Is everybody healthy in Washington? What's going on? Montez is no, playing? There's no Chase Young yet. No Chase. Chase Young's not, not That's there. That's bad for his career. That's not good. I know. He's but, not there. But, I mean, the timing of when he tore his ACL Ooh. and coming back, ew, I don't know. That's going to that's gonna be tricky. But that's just not the commanders. I mean, I did sneak in enough watching of their offense, and it's – How'd they beat the Jags? I don't know. I, I have to go back and look at that game. I mean, Wentz had a Wentz in the first game. He had a he had a nice comeback against him because mm-hmm. the Jags had a lead, and then Wentz kind of brought him back. I want to say that Wentz threw three or four touchdown passes in the three in the second half, maybe in that game. I don't re- I don't recall. I know you do your keys on Friday. I don't know. I got a big key to this one. Make the Jags be the Jags. Okay, mm-hmm. have that kind of day. That's why I didn't like it that they had the turnover fest. In Philadelphia, because yeah, we kind of need that to happen in North Florida on Sunday. Maybe it can happen again. Maybe a mini turnover fest. Well, this team, our defense, don't they'll punch the ball out. They'll go after the football. That I know. So if Trevor is shown he's putting it on a turf, rain or otherwise, they'll they'll go find it. The one thing about the Jags, they're watching watching their defense. Miles Sanders had 134 yards against them. I think that was the number. I think it was 134. On 27 carries, they ran for 210 against the against the Jaguars. And it got me excited at first, and then as I'm watching the game, I'm like, oh boy, the Jags, or the uh, Eagles, essentially, as they were going against the Jags, every time they got kind of in a condensed or heavy formation. So you think about the Texans. The Texans got that 75 yard touchdown run with a tight end, a wing back, a fullback. They were in a condensed formation. If you allow the Jags to be in their regular, their base set, their 3-4 set, they're tough. But where the Eagles got them was they spread them out. They uh, spread them out, and they went 10 personnel, no tight ends, and just four wides. Well, then the Jags spread everybody out. So now you got five on six in the box, and you have Jalen with the ability to pull it and run. They got to defend got, 11. And they sliced them with that. And they sliced them because they've got some RPOs. And there were times where it wasn't really an RPO. It was just a give. And a linebacker would would fade out thinking he was going to cover the, the sticker out on the receiver. And then Sanders got all, all kinds of room to run. And I think that's going to be a key. Can the Texans replicate that? And if they can't replicate that, then they got to win repeatedly against a very, very good front. 
a very, very good front. But Walker looking good. <sighs> Lloyd. Those two. Rookies. The, the guy who looks maybe the best. Well, Lloyd's, Lloyd looks like the best. Walker is, is right there. Josh Allen is playing incredibly well. Olakun and linebacker is a dude. He's wearing number 23, which throws you off because you're like, are they in oh, dime? I don't like and this at all. Is he, is he a safety? And then you're like, oh, no, no, that's Olakun. Because he wore 54 at the Falcons, and now he's wearing 23. So that throws you off completely. But, you know, offensively, they didn't, they didn't do a whole lot. Cisco had a pick and took it to the house. That was, that was the second touchdown. And then they got one late in the fourth quarter, and that was, that was kind of it. So they didn't do a whole lot in the rain, and it doesn't look like we're going to get rain. But I'll give Trevor credit. He's taking what he's taking profit. Yeah, he's just. That's what it looked like to me, and just looking at the numbers, the yes. yards per catch in their victories, it looked like that—a controlled passing yes. game. They can run it well enough, mm-hmm. and that's trouble. Well, so Jonathan Taylor's now playing Thursday night. You think James Robinson could take a day off? Maybe that'd be nice. Well, I mean, he didn't run it much the other day. He ran it eight for twenty-nine. So in the rain, I mean, here, here's the here's the key. They only had. 42, 40. They ran 46 plays against the Eagles. Well, they kept getting the ball back. Oh, the Jags ran 46 The Jags plays. ran 46 yeah. plays. Well, they kept giving the ball up. Yeah. That's they, the problem. The Eagles ran 77. Mm. 77 plays to 46. I mean, that's, that's inexcusable. You want to talk about point, the math though. problem that you have to solve later? The Philadelphia Eagles on Battle Red Night, <sighs> November 3rd, right here at NRG Stadium. I am looking forward oh. to that game with the Battle Red helmets, but my gosh... Eagles are good. I heard Ross Tucker say this, and I agree with him totally. He said every single unit, receivers, quarterback, running back, O-line, tight ends, D-line, linebackers, safeties, corners, top 10 unit across the every, – every unit, top 10 in the NFL. I How think that's right. How did they get right. so good? Well, you know what? How many players remain? I haven't prepped the Eagles yet, obviously, at since all. Since 17? Yeah, I'm, I know not too many since 17. But they went to the playoffs and they had that game where they played Josh McCown because everybody. Oh yeah, was they, that was dying. eighteen. That was the next. That was the next year. Yeah, uh, and yeah. so that was a while ago, and I'm sure the roster has flipped pretty significantly. Check that. that was nineteen. Sorry, that was nineteen. That was nineteen. So then you have the COVID year. They just started adding a little bit here, a little bit there, and then Howie made some moves in the draft and credit because Sirianni, got Devontae could, Smith. They went and they traded for AJ Brown. Signed him. Who had the worst moment of any coach in an introductory press conference Nick Sirianni. in recent years? Sirianni. It looked like, does this guy even know anything about and what what's are they going doing on? now? And look at them. They're 4-0. Now, Ridiculous. no one's handing out trophies at 4-0, but that's a good start. Everybody would like to have that start. Well, some teams that are undefeated, like you could look at the Dolphins and go, okay, that team's not going to stay undefeated. They're, they're going to have a game where they're offensively challenged. How are they going to run the ball in certain games? What if Tua goes out and did... How do you stop the Eagles? They look solid. Because if you stop the passing game, then Jalen and the running game get going. If the running game's not going, well, they could throw it to AJ. Yeah, but they're going to have a Devontae. night where the ball gets knocked loose and you Maybe get so. off to a lead and they're not going to be able to come back or something like that. Maybe so, but that ain't going to happen often. No, because they came back from 14 nothing on Sunday. In the rain. Yeah. I hope it happens here on November 3rd, but that's, a, that's down the road. We're thinking about the Jags. Faux show. When we get back, we're going to go around the NFL. Some news and notes. One big one I just mentioned about Jonathan Taylor. But we're also going to focus on the Texans injury report because it was way too long. And a couple of transactions that took place. We'll get to that next right here on Texans All Access. Texans Radio continues in a moment. 
Football fans, only Hyundai has you covered with America's best warranty, complimentary maintenance, and award-winning safety. It's MVP-level protection. Quarterback throws to the end zone. Touchdown! That always ends in a winning drive. It's your journey. Own every mile with Hyundai. Right now, get 3.29% APR on the 2023 Elantra for 48 months. Visit your local Hyundai dealer, the official car of the Houston Texans. For well-qualified buyers only, offer ends 1031-22. Call 469-613-0227 for more details. 227 for more details. 227 for more details. Texans Radio is back. Time to go around the NFL presented by Whataburger. And Whataburger, the Houston, Texas, and the Houston Food Bank are teaming up to help them take on their toughest opponent ever, Houston area hunger. Just donate a dollar next time you're in the area Whataburger, and that dollar will go to help the Houston Food Bank. And you'll even get a coupon for a free Whataburger with purchase of a 32-ounce drink and medium fry for every buck that you give. So from now until October 10th, do the math, that's five days, give a buck and be a part of the team that's wiping out hunger in Houston. A big thanks to Wagenberger for being our sponsor for Around the NFL. We're going to start right here in our city with the Houston Texans and the injury report from today. Key thing, Texans had a walkthrough on Wednesday. Injury report is only an estimation of a player's participation. Well, that's the case, this estimation. Oh, boy. Two, four, six, eight players, DMP, Blake Cashman, concussion, which he suffered uh, in that game against the Chargers last week. Austin Deculus, Jonathan Grenard, both dealing with ankles, Kurt Heinish, illness, Jerry Hughes, so rest day on Wednesday, same with Christian Kirksey, Brevin Jordan, the ankle, Chris Moore, hip, limited participants, Malik Collins, that knee, Brandon Cooks was a rest, and Derek Stingley Jr. dealing with that elbow slash shoulder. Full participants would have been Kenyon Green, Titus Howard, Kenyon still dealing with that knee, and Titus with the ankle that he got rolled up on on that uh, sack, and the fumble came out. Now, the Jaguars, this is one to keep an eye on. There's just not as long. The limited participants, Caleb on chase on with ankle, Zay Jones, ankle. They were both inactive last week. Cole Van Lannon, offensive lineman, hamstring. But this one in the middle, Foley, Fotokasi, quadricep. Now, there's a thought he's, there's a thought he's not going to play. Now, again, we do this with injuries, but he is a key. He's a massive reason why the Jaguars have been so good against the run. And when he comes off the field, when teams put 11 and 10 personnel on the field, that's when the Eagles are able to run. Texas don't do that as much. When they run the ball, they get in 21 personnel, fullback, tailback, those are two backs, and then one being the tight end, or 22 with two tight ends, and they just hammer. Well, Fatsikasi's on the field for that. If he's not on the field for that, and he's on the field at all, that should be a big feather in Texas' cap, hopefully, as they try and run the ball against the Jaguars team. That got shredded last week. 210 yards for the Eagles, but the Eagles do it in such different and unique ways, and they get rushing yards from Jalen Hurts, which you're not going to get from Davis Mills. So Fatukasi is a big figuratively and literally reason why the Jaguars are doing what they're doing this year. All right, the news for tomorrow night. We mentioned it a little bit earlier. Jonathan Taylor running back for the Colts out against the Broncos up at mile high. Wow, that's not going to be good for the Colts, which, like we said, we don't mind that, if that's the case, that he is, uh, he's not going to play in that one. But Naeem Hines has done some work before um, for as running back, more so he's been the third-down running back. It changes some of the wrinkles they have. Remember against us, they ran that wildcat with Taylor and Hines. Not going to be able to do that. So, uh, so the Colts 
Got to find a way without Jonathan Taylor against the Broncos in Denver. Daniel Jeremiah, who we saw uh, Sunday, he's the color analyst for the L.A. Chargers, put together his top 25 rookies through four weeks of the year. And at number nine, Jalen Petrie. At number 10, Damian Pierce. Now, there probably are not going to be too many players on here of an offensive line category. He has Zion Johnson, but he watches Zion Johnson uh, every single week. And against the Chargers, Kenyon was good, not great. Unfortunately, he was the one who got beat for the sack, so I can see that, but I know there's a few pinning. Oh, my God, what are they going to do? They don't have the two Texans to first two. It's, it's a ranking by Daniel Jeremiah, who is well-respected. But you don't think Derek Stingley and Kenny Green were good picks? Stop. Stop. Just relax. They got a lot of football to play this year. Kenny and Green and Derek Stingley have proven they can be here for the next 10 to 12 years and be fine. I'm not sweating the fact they're not on Daniel Jeremiah's top 25 list. I did think it was cool that Jalen Petrie and Damian Pierce made the top 10 at 9 and 10, respectively. But I'm not going to lose sleep over the fact that the Texans' two first-round picks, who have played well this year, are not in the top 25. Oh, the horror. Uh, all right, so there you go. Coming up next, we're going men behind the mics. Two of my favorite people in the world. I work with Mark. He is a dear, dear friend of mine, Mark Vandermeer. Frank Frangie is someone I have known since 1994 when I moved to Jacksonville. And I've known, um, known him ever since. And obviously, I see him twice a year as he calls games for the Jaguars. My two friends get together next. Men behind the mics right here on Texans All Access. This is Texans Radio on Sports Radio 610. Ashley is proud to present the kickoff kid this season. Each lucky winner receives four tickets to a home game, a Texans jersey, $500 Ashley Home Store gift card, and will be featured on the video board as they run onto the field to pick up the kickoff tee. Sign up your child today by texting TEXANS to 79795 or online at HoustonTexans.com. Ashley, proud sponsor of the Houston Texans. To be able to take it to that next level, that's what I'm excited about. Rose over the middle, wide open, across the five, he's in, touchdown, Houston! Fires underneath, this is intercepted, back-to-back possessions with picks for this Texans defense. Takeaway number three on the day. Game day is every day. Five nights a week, the hits keep on coming. Now, it's Texans All Access, presented by Mattress Firm. We got one hour down, one hour left to go right here on a Wednesday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am John Harris, your host, and very glad to be your host each and every Wednesday in season for two hours. So the second hour, we kick it off with our men behind the mics. Now, I've been in the building. This is now my ninth year doing this show, so it's my ninth season been around a building. I've been around since 2007. I've known Mark Vandermeer since then, and he has become family to me. But it's very rare when we do a Men Behind the Mics segment, and I actually have known the other voice longer than Mark, and that's Frank Frangie. I've known Frank since 1994. I moved to Jacksonville right out of college and started coaching at Episcopal High School, and our paths crossed many, many times, got to know each other. And I think he is fantastic at what he does. I think he's a fantastic human being. He is salt of the earth. He is everything you want in a friend, a host, 
just an, an, al- I mean, an ally, I mean, whatever you want. He's fantastic. I mean, Frank and Mark cut from the same cloth. Well, those two broke bread talking about this matchup between the Jags and the Texans. Mark, take it away. Joining us right now on Texans Radio, it's the voice of the Jacksonville Jaguars, Frank, Frangie, and Frank, always a pleasure to catch up, and tell me how it's going so far. Good start. I know you're not happy about what happened in Philly, but uh, what do you think so far, my friend? Yeah, Mark, great to be with you, man. Always great to catch up, and I look forward to seeing you this weekend. Yeah, you know what? Our team's better. I, I think the, that's kind of the storyline four games into this thing. Uh, it got away from the Jags a little bit uh, on Sunday, but it's a better team than it has been. I, I think... There's been some struggles around here. You know that. And uh, uh, this Doug Peterson guy is really good. He's great to work with. He's a really good coach. Trevor Lawrence is going to be very good. Look, they, they've played four games. Two have been on the uh, – three of the four have been on the road. Two against really good teams, obviously, with the Eagles and the Chargers. And they're two and two. And, and they've led all four games. So I, I think for the first time in a long time, Mark, there's some hope around here. We needed that. All right, so Trevor Lawrence, year two. I know he's coming off the turnover game with the fumbles, the pick, but overall you're seeing a better product here. Is it Peterson? Is it one year older? What is it, Frank? A little bit of all of the above. I think more the former than the latter. I think Doug Peterson's really good. This guy's a really good coach. I mean, he won the only Super Bowl ever in Philadelphia history, and a year later he gets fired. Two years later he gets fired. It's a weird deal. Uh, the Jags were lucky he was available. He's been, I mean, he's created the culture mark. Uh, we've had some culture issues around here. I think you probably figured that out with Urban last year and some of the stuff that happened after the good year in 17. This guy's ended all that. Everybody's pulling in the same direction. I really believe that. And he's a really good quarterback. So yeah, he's made a difference with Trevor. Look, Trevor started 21 games in the NFL. We were joking about this when the Jags played the Colts a few weeks ago, Mark. Matt Ryan was making his 224th career start. Trevor was making his 19th, you know, so there's a little difference, but uh, he's getting there. Did not play very well last week, had the turnovers. Everybody knows that, but he's been way better. He's had two back-to-back games very good against the Colts and on the road against the Chargers. He's making progress. He's not there yet, but I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be what everybody expects him to be, and that's the good news. I just saw the Chargers up close and personal, and so did the Texans fans, and the Jaguars took them down on the West Coast. What was the key to that game? As I look at it, it looked like Lawrence had a really good controlled passing game. What are your thoughts? Yeah, that was it. They got, he got the ball out of his hands quickly. I, I think one thing you do with young quarterbacks is you all young quarterbacks, Mark, and you know this, is you draw it up or maybe that first or second progression is available. Even if it means some short stuff, to your point about controlled pass, passing game, get the shotgun snap, get the ball out of your hands until you're more accustomed to reading a full field, a second progression, a third progression, or even a fourth. Until you're more uh, accustomed to that, get the ball out of the guy's hands. And I think Doug has drawn that up. Look, the receivers are way better. There's three new receivers here, Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, and Evan Ingram. Well, going into last week's game, Zay didn't play. They had 19, 18, and 12 catches between them. So they're the three leading receivers on the team. So better receivers, professional receivers, a really good play caller in Doug Peterson. That was part of why they scored 38 points against the Chargers. The other part of that is the defense played really well. Eckler never got going. Justin Herbert, in fairness, had hurt his – remember, he had the rib injury the game before against the Chiefs. So he wasn't as mobile as he typically would be. Uh, But the Jags really laid it to the Chargers. That might have been as impressive a win as we've had around here since that 2017 season. So that was a big moment. And again, there's some up and down. There's some ups and downs with the young team. Mark, this team has way more of those 23 to 25s than it does those 27 to 29s. 
So it's a young group. Yeah, I think you're dealing with the same thing there. So it's a young group here. So there's going to be some ups and downs, but the first four games overall have been pretty good. Frank Frangi, voice of the Jacksonville Jaguars, joining us. Got to stop the run. That's what every team says going into just about every game in this league. But James Robinson, Travis Etienne, what are we seeing out of them? We know about Robinson, but finally you have last year's draft choice in the Clemson product available. What's he bring into the table, Frank? Yeah, he's fast. That speed's that speed's real now, Mark. I mean, he's legit. He's legitimately fast. He's their third down back, and he's the changeup. Now, right now, James Robinson's been their lead back. He's the guy running between the tackles. He's the short yardage guy, and Travis Etienne has been the guy that comes in on third downs and the guy they try and get on the edge. Now that'll change a little bit. He's going to mix that up. I think you're going to see Travis Etienne between the tackle some, and James Robinson catching balls on third down from time to time. But right now, he's James Robinson has been between the tackles downhill runner. That's what he is. He's a good physical runner who runs downhill. He's not explosive, uh, but, he's, but he certainly turns a lot of one-yard gains into four-yard gains. That's kind of his MO. Travis Etienne, I think, is going to be more explosive, Mark. I think he just, he just started. He's out all last year. He's only played a handful of games. He has, he's a the guy they're going to throw the screens to. He's a guy that's going to catch the ball on third down. So he's kind of the yin to the yang of James Robinson. And again, they, we've just started all this. They've just gotten together. But I like the combination of what they have. They like both backs, I can tell you that. Frank, I know you pay a lot of attention to what the Gators are doing. You cover the college football scene on your show. Damian Pierce is with the Texans. What do you remember about him from the University of Florida, and what do you make of his start? i got to tell you this, and I hope you'll appreciate this. I know you and our good buddies, you will. I screamed into the mic last year. I screamed at my television. I'm surprised I didn't break my television watching these college games last year how they weren't giving the ball more to Damian Pierce. They, they had three guys. They wrote, Malik Davis was kind of the leader of the room, so he always started the game. He got the first series. Damian Pierce came in and got the second series. Naquan Wright got the third. And we all said if they gave the ball to Damian Pierce 22 times a game rather than he gets his seven, because they all get seven, the Gators would be much better. They never did that. And that became sort of a running joke, Mark, on our, on our radio show. I, I complained about it so much. I said, Next year, this guy's going to be the offensive rookie of the year, and he's going to start for some team, and the Gators are going to lament the fact that, that, that they didn't play him more. And that was kind of a running joke on our show. Well, it's playing out that way. I think he's a, you've met him. He's a great kid. He's so, he's so upbeat and personable and fun. He's an explosive runner. He's a downhill runner. I'm, I, I'm surprised it took that long for the big one. Uh, the, it took four games for that big one last week. You're going to see more of those. I think he's a fantastic back. I think he's in a division that has the best backs in football because we have Derrick Henry and Jonathan Taylor. He's going to fit right in, Mark. You're going to love Damian Pierce. I think I told you that even before the season, and I still feel that way. He's going to be a terrific, terrific back for the Texans. What do you think the cross-section is of Jaguar fans who are also Florida Gator fans? I think that's probably the biggest college following here. Uh, so there's a cross-section. There is a cross. I think – Jaguar fans are so dominant. Remember, we don't have baseball. We don't have basketball. The Jags are what we have here. So the Jaguar fans, all the college fans root for the Jaguars, whether you're the Gator fans, the Seminoles, the Bulldogs, the Hurricanes, we've got a lot of college following here, but they're all Jaguars fans. But I would say there's a higher percentage of Gators than there are the other colleges. So, so there's some crossover. And again, we all, the last thing I can tell you this, that the Gator-Jag combo fan wanted was Damian Pierce to wind up in the division. Because I think everybody, I, I'm, again, listen, I, I'm not trying to pile on Dan Mullen. He's gone. He got fired. The, the Billy Napier's in and they move on. But 
I think the biggest head scratcher for everybody around here last year is how is Damian Pierce not getting the ball more? It was, it almost became a running joke at some point. And so, uh, so yeah, I think the Gator fans are rooting for Damian Pierce probably 15 games a year, maybe not those other two. Frank Frangi, voice of the Jaguars, with us on Texans Radio. All right, you played the Colts. You beat them soundly. The Texans tied them. So let's talk Colts and Titans here, the rest of the division, Frank. And right now, i got to say the Jags are in as good shape as anybody could imagine. But the Titans, they managed to win two games without scoring in the second half of either of them. What do you make of them? Let's start there in Tennessee. I've always thought the Titans do it right, Mark. I, I've told that. I said it to Mike Keith, their play-by-play guy. I've said it to you. We're all friends. We all talk a lot. I like Mike Vrabel as a coach. I think there's a toughness. I think he's tough. I think they play with a toughness. They're going to run the football. If Ryan Tannehill isn't playing well and he's been up and down, they're not going to be as good. And they're going to be in some close games. But I think they generally two years ago they weren't good defensively. But for the most part, they're tough on defense. They run the ball. They're physical. They know how to win games. I think that's the one thing that stands out to me about the Titans more than anything else, Mark. They know how to win. There's a toughness. I think the division is always going to go through Tennessee. I think as good as the Jaguars or as much improvement as the Jaguars feel like they have, and I think we all feel like they're an improved team, the division is going to go through uh, Nashville. I've always felt that, and I feel that way still. Interesting. Well, I, I kind of agree with you because if your defense is good enough in this league, and I don't care who you're playing, where you can win without scoring in the second half, that's saying something in the NFL. Now, what about the Colts as they try to right the ship here? They beat Kansas City, but, man, it's so inconsistent so far. Another rough start for them. It always seems to happen that way in Indy. Yeah, and, you know, we the, the Jags, we beat them 24 nothing, and it didn't look like – it looked like a wounded Indianapolis team. Now, they had some guys hurt. They didn't have Michael Pittman, and he, he is their receiving game. I mean, they, they he without him – they don't have great receivers. But Jonathan Taylor, who led the league in rushing last year, got about 50 yards here. Now, the Jags have a good run defense most of the time. Matt Ryan, I think the problem with the Colts, at some point they've got to find their quarterback. It's been – you know, okay, it's kind of weird. If you look at their history, Mark, the fact that they inherited Andrew Luck after being so good with Peyton almost seemed unfair, right? right. They're, they're, they're good all those years. They have one bad year. That happens to be the year Andrew Luck comes out. So it almost seemed unfair that this really good franchise has one bad year and they get Andrew Luck. But then the luck caught up with them because he, he quits playing and it's been a struggle. They've tried to bring in Philip Rivers. They've tried to bring in Carson Wentz. They've now brought in a Matt Ryan. They're trying to find their guy. But you know this. You watched it with Deshaun. We're seeing it hopefully with Trevor. We see it around the league. You're seeing it in Buffalo. You're seeing it in Kansas City. When you find that young quarterback, that's the key to being really good. And uh, the Colts have had a tough time finding that young quarterback. I know the Jags just lost to Philadelphia, but there were a lot of turnovers involved. You have to give Philly some credit there, but also with the Jags making mistakes, that leads to the victory for the Eagles. How good are they? Are they really the best team in the league, as some people suggest right now? Well, they're the only undefeated team, I'll tell you that. So that's, there's something to be said for being the last one standing without a loss. They have a toughness. Jalen Hurts is a good player. As the game has changed, and again, of all my friends in the business, you've seen it up close and personal more than anybody else because Deshaun Watson was the poster child for the changing game. Uh, Josh Allen in Buffalo was the poster child. Uh, Lamar is. Quarterbacks that now can move. That RPO is real, and you have to now account for all 11 offensive players, not 10 because the quarterback just sits in the pocket. And I think Philadelphia really manifests that. Uh, they are really good offensively because of Jalen Hurts. 
And they got A.J. Brown. The Titans couldn't do it. Of all the good things John Robinson's done in, in Nashville, and he's been a great GM, the inability to get the A.J. Brown deal done, Mark, has mm-hmm. now really made the Eagles way better because they landed it. And so they have a good team. They have a tough team. The Jags led 14 to nothing. There was a huge play up 14 to nothing, driving in the second quarter. You go up 21 nothing. They were starting to boo. Uh, you might have you, you might have finished them off. Trevor on fourth down, rolled right. He could have run for it. He could have passed to Tim Jones, but but the ball got knocked out. Of, he, he actually inadvertently knocked the ball out of his own hand when his thigh hit his, the football. Right. The, at that point, the Eagles had three possessions, Mark. They had gone punt, turnover on downs, and pick six. Well, the next three possessions, they scored touchdowns. That one play turned the game, and then they got the momentum, and it was loud, and it was raining sideways, and the Jags never got off the deck after that. Still an eight-point game at the end. But the Eagles are good. The, the Eagles are they're, they're, they're the best team I've seen. Obviously, it's only four games in. But look, they're, if you're the only undefeated team, you're pretty good. They're pretty good. And they'll be at NRG Stadium November 3rd when the Texans unveil the battle red helmet. Frank Frangie, voice of the Jaguars, with us. A couple more quick ones for you here, Frank. Now, we mentioned you cover the college game on your show. You're very well plugged in. What do you make of NIL, the craziness out there? I think the whole landscape here, this is a broad question, but it's insane with what we're seeing with these conferences, coaches getting fired instantly, the NFL looking like the more gentle way of doing things with head coach tenure. And I I just tie it all into the NIL. We are in a very different era of college athletics here. Here's my take on the NIL. It's the analogy I use when we, because we talk about it a lot. Imagine this, Mark, imagine all of a sudden the federal government said, dad, we're getting the speed limit wrong. 75 is not right or 65, whatever it is. We got to change the speed limit. Okay. Everyone decides we got to change it. So while we change it, we're taking all the signs down. Now we're going to put them back up when we figure out the right way to do it. But for now, we're going to take all the signs down. Well, Mark, if you take all the signs down, people are going to drive 100 miles an hour because they're trying to get there. Everyone's driving 100 miles an hour until the signs go back up. Well, that's what has happened with college football. There's no rules. Nobody knows what they're allowed to do. Every state legislature is making its rules for its colleges, which is not the way to do it. They need to be uniform. We all agree on that. But there's no speed limit signs now. So everyone's driving 100 miles an hour, just trying to get there faster than the other guy. And, and until that gets fixed, it's going to be a mess. So NIL, we need some guidance and some rules and regulations, and we don't have that now. That's the big thing. As for all the coaches getting fired, the conference realignment, bro, that's just about money. That's who can – which schools can make the most money and which conferences can make the most money. So they give the most money to the schools so the schools can big, build the bigger facilities and the bigger staff and recruit better players and win more games. And I don't think we're ever getting that under control. I think the conference expansion is going to continue. It's, it's, a, it's a money grab, and I don't think that money grab is ever going to change. Well, I guess now that it's a business, it's a business, yep. <laughs> if that makes That's sense. Right. And here we are. Frank, it's always a pleasure to catch up. I really appreciate the time and look forward to seeing you in North Florida on Sunday. Mark, anytime. Take care, buddy. We'll see you. Yes, sir, Frank. We will see you Sunday, if not sooner. You never know. You run around in Jacksonville, you never know who you're going to run into. I hope I run into some of my former players down there in uh, Duval County. The stadium is right on the other side of the river from where I not only taught school, but I lived like right in a house just on the other side of the football field. It was awesome. It was the, I mean, it was so cool. I could walk to work. I can't tell you the number of times. I don't know if I should admit this, but in the offseason, I didn't have, I had classes, uh, three classes. 
But they're all at lunch. And we rotated classes. So it, it was a long story. But my classes always stayed the same at lunch. So I didn't have classes till lunch. And I had, but I had advisory at 8 o'clock. Man, I would roll out in sweats and a sweatshirt, walk across the football field, go do 10-minute advisory, go back, have breakfast with, with Jack, sometimes with my wife if she wasn't in a meeting because her, her office was two houses down. So we remember Jacksonville very, very fondly. And it's right on their side of the stadium. So every time we go there, it's always, uh, it's always a little emotional. But it's even more emotional when the Texans get a win in Jacksonville. And I've only seen one non-win, and that was 2017. And my God, I just wanted that game to be over. It's 2017. That was a juggernaut. Are the Jags a juggernaut? Yeah, I don't know that, but it's a really good football team. They've gotten much, much better. These last two drafts have really built the foundation for Jacksonville, and they're going to build it for a long, long time. All right, we get back. It's time for our Deep Slant interview of the week. Steven Nelson jumped into the hot seat next to D.P. Sidhu, and this is going to be fun. D.P. Sidhu, Steven Nelson, Deep Slant interview of the week next to Texans All Access. Texans All Access continues in a moment. Hey, Houston, this is Keith here from Papa John's, and it's that time again. It's football season. And you know what? We've been a sponsor of the Texans for, well, from the get-go. I love the Texans. And to celebrate, we have the Big Texans Pizza. It's an extra-large New York-style pizza, two topping for only $13.99. Now, that's a lot of pizza. Great way to sit down and watch a football game, eat a pizza, and go Texans. Better ingredients, better pizza, the best football, Papa John's. Papa John's. Papa John's. Back to the show that keeps you plugged in with the Houston Texans. Welcome back to this Wednesday edition of Texans All Access. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter for your Houston Texans. But I was up in the booth calling the Battle of the Piney Woods last Saturday alongside Randy McAvoy. And our next interviewer, my good friend D.P. Suter. She was down on the sidelines, did a whale of a job during that game. And she got a chance to interview Tristan McCollum. She interviewed Lovey Smith during the game. Awesome stuff. And now she interviews another Texan, Stephen Nelson. I said this earlier, but if you missed it, when DP did this interview, I was actually walking back to studio as she was walking out of the studio. And her eyes got big, and I just looked at her and I thought, oh, what's, what's, what's wrong? She goes, that was so fun. Well, let's hear what fun sounds like. DP said it was Stephen Nelson's Deep Slant Interview of the Week. It's a Deep Slant 101 presented by Xfinity. My guest this week, Steve Nelson. I was just showing you a picture of my dog because yes. when we're in the locker room, you've got one of those photographs with the scrolling pictures. Yes. And every time your dog shows up on that, I'm like fixated on it because your dog looks so much like my dog. Absolutely. Just the skinnier version. Yeah. But you've got like a, a golden doodle, right? Yes, yeah, a golden doodle. Uh, How old? He's two. Oh, two just like old. my dog. Yeah, okay. two years old. Uh-huh. We got him right in the pandemic. Same. Yep. Right in the pandemic, so, you know, hyperallergenic and all that good stuff. Yeah, well, dog, yeah. I mean, it's just such a great dog to have. But you're like an animal lover because I just saw this feature that Tyler Sudarth, uh-huh. our videographer, put together. It's fantastic. Yes. You on your farm. Uh-huh. And the first thing that I noticed was that you're wearing a shirt that says Nelson Farms. Yes. So, like, do you have swag for your farm that is available uh, somewhere? It uh, it's, it's in the process right now. You know, that was like a little sneak peek, you know yeah. what I mean? So I got hats and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, getting a website built and stuff like that so people will be able to, you know, go check it out. That's going to um, be so huge in Texas. I mean, you just yes. got here this year. Uh-huh. When did you get the farm? 
This year, actually, yeah. Okay. Like around January-ish, so before I even... Or even signed here. Signed here. I was already invested in. So, yeah. Did that lean your decision more to signing with the Texans? Most definitely. You wanted to move, move to Texas? Mo- most definitely. Um, I mean, I've lived always, I guess, in a city away from my team I was playing in. So, to, to be playing in somewhere closer to home is uh, definitely a plus. All right. So, I guess the natural question is, when did you get into farming? Because you grew mm-hmm. up in Georgia. I grew up, I grew up in Georgia, yes. You, did you grow up on a farm? Were you around farms? Were you around animals? Yes and no. So I kind of have the best of both worlds. Like I grew up raised in Atlanta, Georgia, um, right? So my family, though, like my grandparents lived in middle Georgia, like Warner Robins, little town right outside of Macon, Georgia. So it's a little more rural than the city. So I would always spend the summer times out that way. And they had like a lot more, you know, the wildlife stuff, animals and, you know, farmland. So I kind of had the best of both worlds in that, in that aspect. But uh to answer your question, I got into farming like about two years ago. Okay. Not physically, but like just interested in doing research and stuff like that. Because yeah. two years ago you were in Pitts- Pittsburgh? Two years ago, yeah. Yeah. My last year in Pittsburgh. That's like not a good place for farming. No, no. <laughs> um, but, you know, I guess when all the pandemic stuff kind of hit, mm, that's sure. when I really got into it, you know, just trying to be, you know, sustainable and all that kind of stuff. Because, you know, it had a lot of people scared, right? Right, you know, of course. Food shortages and all kind of crazy stuff. So, you know, I, I guess I would give a lot of credit to when uh, the pandemic for me. You're like, I want to be able to live off my yeah, own land. Yeah, exactly. So what's on your farm right now? Like, describe it for people. Right now, uh, we have a garden, like a full garden. Um, we have uh, anywhere from chickens to turkeys. We have peacocks, uh, pigs, goats, sheep, and a miniature horse. Oh, yeah, the horse's name is? Dusty. Dusty, yeah. I saw that yes. in this so cute. <laughs> Annabelle the sheep, Dusty the pony. There you go. Yeah. So, and and you have chores on the farm. Chores. Yes. Do you do those every day? Do you have someone that? Because I don't yeah. know how do you balance that with football. So uh, during my off days and days, I get to uh, get get back up there. Um, it's because it's a little ride away. Uh, of course, you're not like right down the street yeah, from the yeah, stadium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So because <laughs> I, I live in the city during the you know while I'm working and stuff like that. But uh, my my wife and my family they pretty much take care of it. like that's you know that I guess their job while I'm here so you know the chores uh we can just run through that real quick yes like, what are the chores on a farm so, so when I'm there like let's say on Mondays I wake up early like seven the rooster's making noise so I'm up right so I'm out there first person I feed is probably the pigs make sure they're satisfied okay um then I'll let the chickens out let them roam and graze and all that stuff I'll throw out some little scratch or whatever you call it, like corn and stuff for them. Then I'll feed the goats, and I'll take Dusty out. I'll take him out for his little own little personal space because Dusty the pony, because he yeah. eats other the other animals' food, right? Is that what that? Yeah, you know he gets a little rowdy, <laughs> so cute, and he gets offended when you call him pony. He's little though. Is yeah, he no, supposed he to is, be bigger than he's that? He's a miniature horse. Oh, a miniature because, horse. You know, ponies that makes are a little sense. stocky. Yes. Okay. And I think he has feelings. <laughs> so, you know, I call him, you know. He's vertically it, challenged. Right, right. Okay. It is what it is. So I take him out, you know, give him his own little area to eat, feed the goats and the sheep. And that's pretty much it. The peacocks pretty much do their own thing. And then I, I guess. And you have peacocks. Why? They scare away reptiles is what I've snakes, heard, correct? Snakes and okay. stuff. They're really, I don't know, predator, uh, snake savvy or whatever. Okay. They hate snakes. So um, we had like a, we had a couple snakes. 
pre- previously uh, before we got them. Sure. But, I mean, I live in the city, and I've ha- I've had snakes in my yeah. backyard. I can't imagine on your farm what you have. Right. We had a couple, um, but ever since I got them, no problem. No snakes. No snake problems. What would you add next? Um, next will probably be alpacas. We've been looking into getting some alpacas. Actually, so wanted cute. to get those first, but they're kind of hard to find. Right? They're like all over the country. Like you have to really do some deep. Look for an alpaca. Exactly. Yes. Why would just to have on the farm? Would you? What what was it? What is alpacas the, are really good for. What, the, what is the purpose of an alpaca? They're they're great for like herding like other animals and protecting against I guess predators like you know you got coyotes, bobcats. They're just like natural protectors. Um, you could shear them, make like. I feel like you need to have your own series in the offseason, just like an episode a week. I've been thinking about it. You should because there is a lot of stuff that goes into it. You know, it'd be great for the merch for the sale. You know, we're thinking just a lot. All right, I'm with you on this. I like this idea. Yes. So, how does that relate to football? I mean, football Mm -hmm. is like such a tough physical sport. This seems so calming and relaxing. They go hand in hand, right? So, you know, football is you know, it's stressful. It can be stressful. You know, it's uh very demanding um so for me my getaway is to be with the animals yeah of course it's peaceful you know it just kind of relaxes me and just kind of draws me away a little bit so i'm i guess recharged you know in, in a way well dino vasso <coughs> cornerbacks coach talked with us last week i did not realize that you and him were together in kansas city mm-hmm. so your rookie season you were dino now you're in year eight you're with dino again yeah, yeah. do you guys talk about what a jump you've made because I imagine from year one to year eight, you're yeah. probably a completely different player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, I've grown a lot, you know, I matured and, and it's just uh night and day, you know, like a conversation conversations we have compared to, you know, when I was a rookie where I didn't really talk much. You know, now it's like, you know, we have man to man conversations, you know, about, you know, just life, kids, you know, he just had a baby. He just had a baby, right. Um, you know, I got kids and, you know, we just you know, just talk man-to-man type of thing from when I was, I guess, you know, just coming in. So it's it's been fun working with him. I know everybody looks to you as someone that can be there for a guy like Derek Stingley, who's right. a rookie. Mm-hmm. And I know that you at one point had said that you leaned on a guy, Eric Berry, yes. in Kansas City. So what is that relationship like when you're mm-hmm. so many years in and you're looking at the rookie? And it's that I, I imagine that's such a tough position to sort of uh-huh. get your feet under. Yeah, uh, man, I love I love – taking on that challenge, you know, you know, helping him in any way possible because, like you mentioned, like my mentor was kind of like Eric Berry or somebody that I, you know, chose to lean on. Um, you know, it's all about just finding guys when you come in that you kind of see that they do the right things, you know, they do it the right way. And that's, you know, kind of like I guess what Sting is looking uh, to me to, to do and help him with. But, uh, I mean, he has everything, you know, tools-wise to – be successful, you know, smart kid, humble, you know, it doesn't really say much, but. Is that how you were? You said you were quiet as a rookie. He's yeah, pretty quiet. Yeah, you know, I was quiet. You know, I talk, I think I talked more than he did, but. Uh, Maybe it's, I know sometimes you think it's personality too, yeah, but I imagine you know, as a rookie it's. Yeah, I mean, because you're coming in and when I came in, like, this is like a young room that we have. Uh, we have a few vets, but we have right. a young room. When I came into the NFL, uh, we had a lot of veterans in, like, year eight, year seven, year nine, you know, stuff like that. So I was, like, the youngest one. Yeah, but it's it's fun, you know, just watching him grow and helping him. As you've played over the years, you know, you've added a lot of tools to your to your skill set. Mm-hmm. I always hear about how what a versatile corner you are. And Dino mm-hmm. said that, you know, you're not getting targeted a lot. And I wonder, is that a sign of respect 
at your position when guys not I mean how do you view it are you kind of like hey like toss it my way once in a while too yeah you know it, it it's kind of been like that you know for a majority of my career you know some seasons I'll get targeted more than uh than others you know um for whatever reason but um I feel like that is a sign of respect and um you know, just naturally, you know, guys are going to target a younger player, you know, and try to, you know, move the, move the ball that way. But, you know, that doesn't allow me to relax at any of course at any moment. Sure. Because, um, you know, a cornerback, you know, any, you know, mistake, you know, you can give up a big play. So, uh, you know, just trying to, you know, I, I see all those things, but, you know, I'm always going trying to work and, you know, make sure I'm on point at all times. So you're eight in the league. You faced a lot of wide receivers. Is there one particular mm-hmm. matchup that you really enjoy, a wide receiver you really like going one-on-one against? A wide receiver I really like going one-on-one against. Uh, it's not It's not really any, any particular guy. I would just say, like, the guy, whoever the guy is on the team. Oh, know, sure. That's, that's whoever's getting the ball. That's, what that's I, who you want to go up against. All right, the guy on this team is Brandon Cooks, a guy that you know well from your days at Oregon State. So what were some of those battles like? And what's it like to be back with him again after knowing him in college? You guys are both Mm -hmm. so much further along in your careers now. Yeah, that matchup's been been years. I mean, he's year nine now. I'm year eight. And uh, we had, I believe, like a year in college uh, together. And, um, you know, it's been competitive from from the jump, from the first time I got to Oregon State. And uh, I played him a few times over the years, and it's always been, you know, good matchups. And, like, to answer your question, like, being back, it kind of helped me get back to my my game, you know what I mean? Just, you know, having a guy like that to just push me, you know, each and every day, it's been fun. All right, Steven, it's been fun getting to know you, Uh and I'm looking for the merch because I like those shirts. Yes, yes. I don't know if you follow my Instagram. Okay, I I do. I probably do. I got Uh Nelson Farms Instagram, too. Oh, okay. So it's always been updated with stuff. I don't follow Nelson Farms. I'm going to follow Nelson Farms. follow Nelson Farms. And you can check out the video on HoustonTexans.com. Yes. It's fantastic. It's also on YouTube, Steven. Best of luck for the rest of the season. Thanks so much for the time. Appreciate you. Man's got two Instagrams, one for him and one for his farms. I love it. I love it. I mean, I am not uh, of the, uh, I'm not an FFA type. I'm not one to garden. I'm pretty handy around the house, but that's a little different than having a farm and doing those sort of things. I would love to cook sustainable stuff, you know, things from far. I like to do that, but I'm not the farming type. Good to know that Steven Nelson absolutely is. Now, another guy I know is not the farming type, but... He is a very good podcast partner, and that is my podcast partner, Drew Doherty. It's in the lab next right here on Texans All Access. More Texans Radio is on the way. And we're back with breaking news. Coke Zero Sugar might be the best Coke ever. That's right, Jim. Coke Zero Sugar is a must-try for any Coke fan, so make sure you... Jim. <laughs> Jim. On the air. Ooh, yes, this tastes like the best Coke ever to me. Your thoughts, Jen? Well, can I have a sip? <laughs> Jen, we're in the middle of reporting the news. I need to try it first. Need to try it first. Need to. Texans Radio, the drive continues. We got one final segment of this edition of Texans All Access, and it's time for In the Lab. Drew Doherty, John Harris, that's me. Let's go. 0-3-1. Yuck. Gross. Yep. They have shown signs, but 
you are what you are. You are what your record says you are. I think Bill Parcell said it. He probably got it from somebody else, but he yep. popularized it, I mm-hmm. believe. You move on to Jacksonville, and it doesn't look like the same old Jacksonville. It doesn't oh. look like a get-well game that you've had against these guys, save for 2017-2013. Because every other time you've played them since, uh, let's see, the last game of the 2010 season, it's a long time ago, oh, you've boy. won every single game yeah. but the 2-13 and and the 2-17. Mm-hmm. and You've swept them every single year since. And I don't know that that's... It's it's not always been an easy game against these guys, but nope. uh, it's going to be more of a test, I think, this year with this Texans team and this Jaguars team. One of the questions I asked Nick Casario this week, because the Texans added Jalen Petrie and Derek Stingley through the draft. First, second rounders, add them through the draft. Changed the secondary for sure. Yeah. The defense all around, I don't think it's gotten there just yet. But it's definitely changed the secondary. It's better. It's definitely better. This team as a whole is better yeah, yeah, yeah. than last year, but right. your record's not reflecting that for sure. Well, the Jaguars drafted Trayvon Walker, number one. Then they drafted Devin Lloyd in the first round. So they got those two guys to add to their defense, and it's made all the difference in the world. Now, they also added some other free agents. They had Ola Kuhn at linebacker. They had Fachikasi in the middle. They had Ray Robertson in 2021, I think it was. And he's always worried me. He's always worried me. And you put all those pieces together now, and you're like, wait a second. This front's pretty good. And Josh Allen is playing really well as a stand-up outside linebacker. Trayvon's playing really well as a stand-up outside linebacker. But the addition of Walker and and Lloyd has given that front seven an absolute boot in the backside. Lloyd out of Utah, the -hmm. rookie. Yep. And there were a handful, not many, but there were a handful of People that I kind of respect as far as draft prognosticate, you're one of them. Thank but you. others that are, you know, they're not yahoos, mm-hmm. that had him yep. mocked to the Texans. And yep. some people probably thought, oh, they're, they're not going to take a linebacker. But he's justifying that thought, that idea mm-hmm. that he would have fit in. And to be fair, this guy looks like he'd fit in in just about any defense yeah. at linebacker. He, and he would be a, a plus-plus guy for any team. Coverage, run stuffs. Um, his ability to go find the football and take it away. I mean, he's he to me is what a Lovey Smith linebacker was. And and look, and I've said this about Nick Casario, and I mean you know you know this and, and Lovey Smith and building this team, you couldn't fix everything in one year. I mean, it would have been it'd been awesome if you'd had Kenyon Green last year that had picked number fifteen when you moved around when you had pick thirteen, you could have gotten Devin Lloyd. But you don't you don't have thirty picks. You right. know, you don't have all those picks. Right. So the Jaguars did have some of those picks, some of the moves that they were able to make over the last few years, and it paid off getting a guy like Devin Lloyd. And when I saw them draft Lloyd, I thought, oh. I mean, I just, <laughs> like, man. I knew of anything with Lloyd and Walker, the athleticism was going to go up, up, up for sure. Right. And it's really been that and then some. I mean, they have been so good against the ground. And the Eagles got them a little bit, but the Eagles' offense is I mean, they, they can do so many different things with that Eagles offense. So it's imperative. This offensive this offensive front's going to get hit in the face. They're going to be some one-on-one battles. They're not going to win. This is going to have to be – if the Texans are going to want to run the football and run it effectively, there's going to have to be some big boy blocking up front against this front. It is a really, really good front. Now, Fatu is a little banged up, and he's a big – literally and figuratively, he's a big key for that front for what they're able to do. I, if it's one guy out of there, they still have got depth. Devon Hamilton has be, become a really solid player. That front really concerns me. If you contain that front, if you get some movement in the run game 
and you're not allowing them to become Saxonville, and you're giving Davis some protection. I do think you can throw it. Mm-hmm. I do think you can throw it on them, but you got to be able to get the ball off. And the way Josh Allen and Walker rush, boy, that's going to be tough. It's going to be really, really tough. This is going to be a tough chore against a really athletic. The front seven is really different from what it was last year. 14 carries, 120, 30 yards for Damian Pierce. He has the 75-yarder. So naturally, some there's some idea out there. Like, oh, you take away the 75-yarder, you only got 4.3 yards carry. Well, you know what you got last year as a team? You got 3.4 yards carry. <laughs> so he was still doing his job. Right. You'll take 4.3 per. That's still a decent job for a running back. But he did get the 75-yarder. So yep. that's that's important to remember. He's a home run hitter. I didn't know for sure whether he was a home run hitter, and I thought when he hit the hole, I, I guess I've been conditioned around here <laughs> <Yeah>. lately to think, <laughs> oh, this is nice. He's, it's a big game. Yeah, They'll nice bring game. him down around the 18, 19-yard yeah. line. Yeah. No, he closed it out. Yeah. So now you have to worry about him being a home run hitter in addition to knowing that he is a punisher. Right. In addition to, on top of that, knowing that he can spin move out of stuff and he's shifty. So you really got a lot to worry and con- concern yourself about if you're trying to tackle Damian Pierce. And I think if the ball gets placed a little differently in the passing game, you're not seeing a stat line of six catches, eight yards. You're seeing a stat line of about stat line. six catches, 45, right. 50 yards. He's going he's gonna to break some stuff and do some real positives in the, in the, in the pass game because he, we've seen him do it. You know, he's had like one catch for eight yards. You'll take that. You'll take that sort of production. You want to see the strangest comparison that I could make between a former Texan and Damian Pierce? We used to have Bill O'Brien in here. We'd talk about the running game. And the one thing he would always say is, well, you know, Deshaun's going to get 40 or 45. It's that 40 to 45 yards that Deshaun would always kind of pick up in the run game that if Damian Pierce could pick that up in the passing game, yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's pretty similar, it's really and, nice it, and it helps you. Uh, from that perspective, six for eight is the weirdest number I've ever seen. I mean, just completely strange. Six receptions. I mean, does that over a 17-game season? That's 102 catches. So is he going to have 102 catches for like 136 yards? No. I mean, <laughs> I don't think so. But it, the point being, he can't catch it. And I think that's one of the ways that you can get him out there. I, I, I don't feel for safeties for other teams because they're on other teams. <laughs> but I kind of feel for them because now you don't really know you don't really know exactly how to approach him. Because if you go over there with some weak sauce, like, you know, I'm just going to wrap him up around the legs and that's it. He can step out of that or he might just bury you with a, with a straight arm. If you go over there thinking, well, I'm just going to hit him with everything I got, you might bounce off him, you know, like a Super Bowl. And like, bang, and then you're, you're done. And so, in the process, wind up on a, was it Coach 30 Go right. Twitter yeah, video? You, you're going to end up on a video and you're going to look like a pinball, like bang, bang, and you don't want that. So, the key is to get is to get him into space. And on that 75-yard run, there were great blocks by Nico, OJ. I mean, offensive line, obviously. Troy Harrison hit Derwin James, just loved it. But then there was a safety that came over, and I can't remember if it was Adderley. I can't remember who it was. But he came over with maybe some of the weakest sauce ever, and Damien had room. And so Damien was like, what are you going to do? And Damien was like, I'm just hitting it. And that guy was like, well, and he kind of dove and forget it. He, wasn't, he didn't even get close. So safeties are really in a world of hurt, but you've got to get to that third level. You've got to be able to, against these guys, Jacksonville, you've got to occupy the front, hope you can get a hat on Lloyd and Olakun, and that springs, him, uh, that springs him up the field. So they're going to have to come up with some wrinkles. And you, the thing about it, that play really was old school toss mm-hmm. out of the eye. 
but the way they executed was just absolutely perfect. Yeah, the Texans non-offensive lineman nailed, nailed to steal from Apollo Creed. Yeah, their blocks. Right, Hairston just oh he hammered shook his guy. O.J. Howard. I did a tell straighter on this, Drew. That we'll see later this week. It's Nico Collins. And I'm gonna give you one other. I'm gonna give one other. Brandon Cooks. Yes, thank you. Brandon Cooks is the far outside X receiver on the far side of the field. You can see about 10 to 15 yards into his sprint downfield. He literally puts his head down like you wouldn't try. He puts his head down and just starts booking yeah. to make sure that J.C. Jackson doesn't get there uh, to you know hit a shoe or knock him out at the two. Brandon shielded him just enough and, I mean, sprinted all the way down the field. That's the kind of thing that you – you want to see from a captain. Of the many coaches who would appreciate that block, Mike Leach, uh, the old <laughs> Texas Tech head coach now at Mississippi yeah. State, would a, a certainly appreciate that block because he was asked about his wide receivers blocking back uh, when I was there in the yeah. late, late aughts. And he said, yeah, blocking's important. Don't necessarily need to de a guy every single <laughs> time. It's more just about just being in between the tackler and the yeah. ball carrier. Just be a shield. That's more more important than anything, you just don't want your guy to make the tackle. Right. And that's what Brandon Cooks did. Yeah. I think Mike Leach would like it. I know I liked it. I loved it. It was great. And when I saw it back on Telestrator, I, I knew Brandon had run down there, but I didn't – while you're watching the play, and, of course, at our angle, I'm at the line of scrimmage, and that play is going away from me. So I couldn't really see it. But then when I went back and I watched it on film and I had the all-22, I'm like, man, look at Brandon. He's flying. And Nick Casario told us that was the fastest speed Brandon recorded on the day mm. was that one. No other route. And it, it was that. Yeah, you know, I think as that fast was. fast GPS was they that. They put at one point on the big board at the, at the stadium, uh, they put the, the top three speeds of the day. And I think Nico was one, probably on that catch. On the deep ball, yeah. And then Damien on his deep run. And and Cooks was right below Damien. And right. I'm guessing that's what that's from. Yeah, that's a, it, was from, it was from that play, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And Nico, uh, man, what a block he had. Boy, that was good. I'm talking to Nico. I'm playing Jingo with Nico this week. He's also the pregame. Uh, player interview for the nice. game show, so that'll be fun. That'll be good. And we will discuss speed amongst many other things. But here's a little tidbit, a little off-the-field slow burn that you're not going to see any time in the next week, month, or two. But down the line, keep your eyes peeled for a pretty darn big change. That's what we call a tease. You'll have to stick around and see what that change is all about. A big thanks to Drew, to Mark, to DP, to Frank Frangie, to Steven Nelson, and to Nick Casario. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. And as always, go Texans. This is Texans Radio on Sports Radio 610. With our newest Unlimited plan, everyone's welcome. Introducing Welcome Unlimited from Verizon for just $30 a line per month for four lines with auto pay plus taxes and fees. Our best priced Unlimited plan ever. Did he say $30? Yep, $30 a line for the whole family. The network you want, the price you love. Switch to Verizon today. Paper-free billing required. Unlimited 5G nationwide 4G LTE. In times of congestion, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. All smartphone lines on the account must be on Welcome Unlimited and are eligible only for select promotions. Includes domestic talk, text, and data usage only. Data roaming at 2G speeds. Only. Data roaming at 2G speeds.